Well, good morning. Welcome to church. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. Got a couple of announcements we want to talk about real quickly. First, if this is your first time here, we are so thankful that you're worshiping with, with us. Welcome. For the rest of you, if you can help us, for all of us, if we can check into the service, that would be amazing. Uh, when you do that, it gives you a place where you can submit prayer requests and find out kind of what's going on in the church. Uh, but there's some things that I want to specifically point out. First, we have a new Bible study happening on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, being led by one of our interns, Brad, and he's going to be doing it in room 209. It's called Coffee Talk. So they're going to be coffee, and they're going to talk, and they're going to talk about theology and things like that. And so if you're looking for a place to plug in on Wednesday nights, room 209, 6 o'clock will be a great place for you to kind of dive in. Next thing is, despite the temperature outside, summer is coming. It's coming fast, and we if you have kids or teenagers, they need to get signed up for camp. Those registrations are due very shortly, so go ahead and, and let us know that your kids are going to go to camp this summer. Um, kids will have one camp, and teenagers will have another camp, and the information's on the screen behind me or in front of you to sign up for those camps. Go ahead and do that as soon as possible. Last thing is this. Uh, we have a family dedication next Sunday. Uh, you may have seen parent-child dedication. It's kind of the same thing where we, as a church family and as individual families, pray and dedicate ourselves to raising children that honor God. And so if you would like to be part of that, email Judy at Stetson.Church there. Let her know if you have questions, and she'll fill you in on all the stuff. And so if you and your family would like to be part of that family dedication, go ahead and let us know because that's next Sunday. Well, for the rest of us, we're so glad that you're here. We're going to take a moment. We're going to pray. Ask God to bless this time. And so whether you're watching online or here in this room, would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we love you. And God, we are so thankful that we can sing our praise to you. God, no doubt in this room, there are people dealing with fear. There are people dealing with difficult situations. And God, the worship of you breaks down those walls. And so, God, as we sing these songs and we reflect on what an amazing God you are, I pray that whatever is binding us, whatever is holding us back, that we would hand that over to you, that we'd give that to you. And, God, I pray that this morning that you'd be real to us this morning. Help us experience you in a fresh, new way as we sing these worship songs to you. God, we love you. Pray this, name in, Jesus, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. I love how the scripture says, he is not only my strength, he is my song. He is the reason we worship. And at times when life seems uncertain, we can remember that we can trust in God. And he is already in all of our tomorrows. And he has a plan that we can trust that his way, God's way, is always the best way for us. We're going to sing a new song this morning that talks about trusting God and proclaiming that he will never fail. And let me invite you to stand with us as we worship together. time. 
Let's sing it out.
still got joy and chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense, so I won't be going under. I'm not held by my own strength, cause I built my life on Jesus. That's right. Oh, he's
and we can trust him this morning. Let's sing this chorus one more time. Because I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Every voice now, come on, church. I trust in God. Good morning. What a great day it already has been. I just want to say, and I, this is just a point of 
personal privilege, but um, to sing about trusting in God and to sing about the firm foundation and rains came and winds blew, but my house was built on you. And have Brianna Gaitan sitting down here on the front row um, after about, amen. Many of you may not know Brianna's um, story, but um, back last fall, she began a journey through leukemia and uh, has recently come to a point of going into maintenance dose and, uh, and go, getting to go back to school in February. And uh, praise God, praise God. It's so awesome. I'm sorry for pointing you out. I know, I know, I know, but, um, but wow, it just, I, I couldn't help but stand over there and, and realize, and, and I, you know, that's one story in this room. There can be many, many, many other stories in this room. And I just want you to know that God will never fail. He will never fail. It doesn't mean that everything always works out perfectly. It doesn't mean everything always settles into just the most beautiful things. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we have hard times. But to know that when we continue to build on the foundation of Christ, that he will never fail. He's always there. Wow, so good, so good, man. Um, hey, I want to I share something with you before we get started this morning, or, or really in the midst of us getting started. It's really exciting. Uh, most of you know that at the end of last uh, year, December 31st, we took what we call uh, our 53rd Sunday offering. And uh, the goal of that offering was to take an offering uh, in, in the last Sunday of the year um, and to be able to, we, we have some projects here on this campus, some pretty large projects that we're trying to accomplish. Um, and then we're going to give, we're going to take half of it, use it here on campus. And then we're going to take half of it and we're just going to give money away. And I love that. That's so much uh, fun. It's a wonderful thing to be able to support other ministries. And we've identified five other ministries that we're going to be supporting uh, through the 53rd Sunday offering. And so let me just say, first of all, you met our annual budget last year, and that's a huge thing. So um, in a day when, when giving is down and, uh, and lots of churches are struggling, you continue to be a faithful church. You continue to meet the needs of, of, uh, of our church family. So thank you so much for that. And then on top of that, we come to this 53rd Sunday offering. And remember, we're taking half of this and we're just giving it away. And half of it we're using to kind of start some projects here on this campus. Church, I don't know how to make this any more exciting other than to tell you that at the end of last year, you gave in our 53rd Sunday offering $103,545. That is awesome. And I love it because not only is that going to help us here on this campus, but it's also going to go into other places. And so we are a church that want to be for our community and for other people and for other ministries, for others to, to, reach, um, to reach out into our community. And so we're not about keeping things to ourselves. We're about giving to others. And so this is just an example of you doing that. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being such a faithful church, for being such a generous church. You are so good. And I'm so grateful to be able to stand in front of you and uh, and be your pastor and be a part of what God is doing here at Stetson Baptist. So really exciting stuff. Now, we're going to jump right back in uh, today. We are in this series called the uh, Gospel BC, talking about the fact that the gospel did not just show up when Jesus showed up, but the message of the gospel is really the message of the entire Bible. And so if you have your Bibles with me, with you, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. I shared with you last week that the one question that I want you to be able to answer at the end of this entire series, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about, but the one question that I want you to be able to answer is this question, what is 
the gospel? Like, what is the message of the gospel? Boiled down to its very intricate, most important parts, what is the message of the gospel? And we answered that question this way, that the gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sin and rose again. The gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sin and rose again. What is the gospel? It is that Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sin and rose again. It is important that by the end of this, I'm telling you, you're going to be so tired of hearing that. We're going to be here for like six more weeks. And every week, I promise you, we will quote, what is the gospel? That Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I want us to illustrate that and for us to see that that is not just something that shows up in the New Testament. Instead, it shows up in the Old Testament. That's why you're turned to Genesis chapter 15. Now, to get started today, I just want to share with you that when I was a kid, how many of you remember uh, learning how to read? You remember, you know, you kind of started to learn to read. You know what the best part about learning how to read was? My first book to ever read out loud was a book called The Night Before Christmas. And I had, and that book had been read to me so many times that I knew the words to the story based on the pictures. Even to this day, I like books with pictures. I remember when I was like in, in uh, a junior in high school and they gave us, you know, how every grade you kind of have this book that you have to read. I remember the, the book that we had to read when I was in the 11th grade was a book called Jane Eyre. That was the worst book. You know why? No pictures. I was like, where are the pictures? I need pictures. Well, I'll tell you, it is a beautiful thing. And I want to share with you a passage of scripture that illustrates the gospel. It is a picture of the gospel. So we're going to look at that today. You return with me to Genesis chapter 15. Let me give you just a little bit of background. This story is about a guy by the name of Abram. Later, he changes his name to Abraham. I'm going to go ahead and ask for your forgiveness right now because I promise you, I will just randomly switch back and forth between Abram and Abraham today. It's going to happen, I promise you. I'm even going to read the name of Abram and it's going to come out Abraham. Just forgive me, okay? It's just something that's difficult in my, in my own brain. Abram was 75 years old and God appeared to him and spoke to him. His wife and his belongings were in a place called Ur, Ur of, the, of, Chaldea, of Chaldees. So he lived a long way from the promised land and God spoke to Abram and said, pick up your wife and pick up your stuff and go to a place that I will show you. So he did. He believed God. And the Bible actually says that he went from Ur all the way to what we today know as Israel. About 1,400 miles on foot with his wife behind him the whole way saying, 
Don't you think we should stop and ask for directions? Aren't you lost? 1,400 miles. He finally gets to a place and God says, this is it. Now remember, God didn't give him a destination or a map or directions. God just says, walk and I'll tell you when you get there. 1,400 miles. I'm thinking at about 100 miles, I'm thinking, God, are you sure? Are you sure you're actually going to show me? 1,400 miles. Lots of things happen to Abram. Lots of bad things happen to Abram. But I don't have time for all of that. There's a lot of stuff that happens in his life. But Genesis chapter 15 is a really powerful image that happens in Abram's life. Look with me at Genesis chapter 15. We're going to read pretty quickly and move pretty quickly today, so stay with me. It says, after these things, so after all that stuff that has happened, he's finally showed up in the place that God showed him. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram responded. He said, uh, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, what Abram was saying was, he was saying, there's no way that you can bless me. There's no way that you can honor me. There's no way that you can reward me. Because in Bible times, the blessing, the honor, and the reward came through the heir. It came through, what am I going to pass down to my children? And Abram is saying, I don't have any kids. How are you going to bless me? And Abram said, going on, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. So God speaks back. He says, This man, Eliezer, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now remember, Abram was 75 when he left Ur. He's now like 99, and he has no kids. All of you that have gotten older, be careful. And he brought him outside. God brought Abram outside. And he said this. He said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to Abram, he said, so shall your offspring be. And the Bible says that Abram believed the Lord and God counted it to Abram as righteousness. Abram is in a tough spot because he realizes that the only way that he can be blessed is if he has kids, and he doesn't have kids, and he's of a very old age. So there's no way that he's actually, this is actually going to work out. And so he kind of complains to God, and God takes him outside, and he says, listen, you're going to have an offspring. You're going to have an heir. As a matter of fact, go outside, look up at the stars, and count them. Now, here in Central Florida and here in Deland, a lot of you live in neighborhoods, and when we live in neighborhoods and there are street lights and there's all this kind of light pollution, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to see how many stars are actually up there. Have you ever been out on a really, really dark night, out from the city, out in a place where there was no light? And I'm telling you, when you are out like that and you look up in the sky, it's almost like the stars kind of envelop you. It is an awesome sight to look up and to see. Now, I, I, I doubt that Abram went outside and he was like, oh, yeah, okay, one, two, three. No, he probably went outside and looked up and said, wow, so 
So my family's going to be like that? The Bible says that Abram actually believed God as crazy as it was. And because Abram had faith, because Abram had trust, God said, your trust is actually your righteousness. It goes on to a really interesting part of scripture. Verse 7, it says, And he said to him, I am the Lord, God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? So, all right, great, you told me that, but how am I to truly know? I believe it, but I want to know it. So he said to him, bring me a heifer, a female cow, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, and he cut them in half. Say, ew. He cut them in half, and he laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. Well, thank goodness for the birds. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Okay, um, this is one of those moments that you're reading through the Bible, and you go, okay, it just got weird. And it did. I mean, God's, Abram says, I, I, I appreciate the fact that you say that my, my offspring are going to be many and that you're going to give me the land. This is really great. How can I know? And God says, ooh, ooh, I got an idea. Find some animals and cut them in half. And then just kind of, just kind of separate the two halves of the animals. This is going to be awesome. You're going to learn so much from this. And I'm sure that Abram was like, okay. Um, this actually is, as weird as it is to us, this was not an odd practice in biblical times. This was actually a pretty common practice. It was called, <laughs> you ready for this? It was called cutting the covenant. So basically, if two people came up and they had an agreement, an important agreement that they were going to make between them, what they would do is exactly this. They would take an animal and they would split it into two and then they would kind of put the two halves of the star, the carcass kind of on opposite sides and then one of them would get on one side of the little path the little bloody path that was made in the middle they would get on one side and the other one would get on the other side and then they would come and they would meet face to face in between those carcasses and basically what they were saying is we're making a commitment and an agreement to each other and if we don't keep up our end of the commitment may it be to us as it has been to these animals that's pretty serious right so if I, don't, if I don't live up to my end of the bargain, then you can cut me in half. That's like a really serious commitment. And that's what Abram and God were doing here. God said, take the animals, separate them into two, and kind of put them on both sides. And we're going to, let me just show you what I, I want to show you. Verse 12. It says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. So he kind of goes into some kind of a trance over on the side. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for four 
hundred years. In other words, yes, I'm going to give the land to your offspring, but there's going to be a group of them that are actually going to leave here, and they're going to be gone. They're going to be afflicted. They're going to be slaves for about 400 years. You Bible scholars, what was he talking about? He's talking about Egypt. So God is going to, God is going to, is, is kind of telling Abram here, not only am I going to keep my commitment to you, but I'm going to give you some details of the future. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. Your people will actually go to this new place. Verse 14, it says, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve on Egypt. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions, 10 plagues. And they, and they looted the Egyptian people. Verse 15, he says, As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You're going to have a great life. You shall be buried in a good old age. You're going to live for quite a while. And they, they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, there's a whole lot to say about that, but the main thing that I want you to hear is that God, in this moment, as Abram is kind of over in this trance and God is appearing to him in a dream, Abram is over on the side. He's not doing anything. He has laid these carcasses out, and God appears to him and says, not only am I going to give this land to your people and to your offspring, and you're going to be a great nation, but let me give you some details about how it's going to happen. So God doesn't just say it's going to happen. He says it's going to happen and this is how. I'm going to give you details. And then as we continue to read through the scripture, we find that God's promise comes true exactly how he said that it would. And then we get to the weirdest part. Now, if you thought it was weird up till now, just check this out. Verse 17. It says, now when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, between the pieces of the, the carcass or whatever. Verse 18, it says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. It goes on to describe the people that were living there, but the important part is that verse 17. God is making a covenant with Abraham. He is saying, I'm I'm making a promise to you, and you can trust it. And the Bible says that, that in between these carcasses, there is this flaming torch and this smoking pot that is carried. Now remember, what I told you is the cutting of the covenant would be, a person would be on that end, a person would be on this end, and we would go and we would meet in between these carcasses and we would make a commitment to one another and we would say if if we don't keep up our end of the commitment may it may may we look like this that's not good but when god made a covenant with abram where was he he was over on the side in a trance he was clueless he was passed out he was laying over on the side dreamlike state but god Physically, and see, up to this point, all we've heard is we've heard the voice of God, we've heard God talking to Abram, but now we see a physical manifestation of God. We see God kind of take a physical body, and we see him carry a, a, a torch and a flaming pot through these carcasses. In the same way that he is making a, a, a promise to Abram, he is saying, this is my covenant, and this is how I'm telling you that I'm going to keep it. I want you to pay attention, this is really important. Right in that moment, we, we see a physical manifestation of God. Now, by the way, physical manifestations of God have a name. 
physical manifestations of God. When God takes a body, he has a name. When God takes a body, his name is Jesus. And this is way before Bethlehem, isn't it? This is what we would call a Christophany, uh, an Old Testament appearance of the person of Jesus. It's kind of like in the song that we sang just a minute ago, he's my fourth man in the fire. That is a, that is a story from uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they are placed in the fiery furnace. And then the king looks in and he says, wait a minute, there's a fourth guy in there. We only put three in there, but there's a fourth guy in there. That's a Christophany, a picture of Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. And every time Jesus shows up in the Old Testament, really anytime Jesus shows up anywhere, something amazing is about to happen. And it happens right here. Jesus, God in bodily form, walks through these carcasses as a picture of the commitment that he is making in this covenant. But remember, a covenant is something that is made between two people. But in this moment, we don't have Abram on one end and God on the other end saying, hey, I'm going to keep up my end of the bargain. You're going to keep up your end of the bargain. Check this out. This is so important. What is happening in this moment is God is making a covenant with Abraham that has nothing to do with Abram's ability to live up to his end of the covenant. It is all God. God is saying, I'm the one that's going to do all the work. You're going to get the land. I'm the one that's going to pay all the price. You're going to get the, the benefit, the prize, the promise. Your offspring. I'm making a commitment to you, Abram, but I'm the only one that is active in this covenant. He's saying this. He's saying I'm going to do all the work. You're going to get all the benefit. That sounds familiar. It sounds a little bit like Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sin and rose again. Jesus did all the work. We get the benefit. The gospel is illustrated in this moment where God says, Abram, this has nothing to do with you, and yet it has everything to do with you, but you don't have to live up to your end of the bargain. I'm the only one that is doing the work here. I'm the one that's making the commitment. I am making a covenant with you where only I am the one that's going to keep up my end of the bargain. And he did. Everything worked out just like God said, even though Abram was really a struggle bus. He was not a great guy, and he, he messed up a number of times. God said, it's okay because you were over there. I was the one in the midst of the carcasses. I was the one that was making the commitment. Basically, what what he is illustrating here that happens thousands of years later is that salvation has already been accomplished. Please hear this, friends. We're Abram on the side. Jesus paid the price. 
It's not about us. It's not about our ability to live up to our end of the bargain. It's the fact that Jesus paid the price. I'm reminded of the scripture in Romans chapter 5 where it says that God showed his great love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we had tried to, you know, not while we were doing the right thing, while we were wrong, while we were sinning, Christ died for us. Man, that's good. But can I just give you one more quick thing? Because this actually gets even better. There is a picture here that we have just gone right past that I don't think you've seen. And if you've, it, I've actually shared this with our church before, but y'all don't remember what I preached last week. So you certainly don't remember what I preached six years ago. There is a picture here that is unbelievable. And the first time I heard it, the first time I saw it, I was at a student camp and a pastor was preaching Genesis 15 at a student camp. And I was like, this is an interesting passage to preach to teenagers. Actually, it was kind of appropriate, you know, carcasses and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, but when he shared this image, I was like, I've never heard that or seen it before, but I've shared it so many times and it is such a powerful, okay, I got to get to it. The picture here, I want you to see it. It is so amazing. Follow me. Carcasses. Carcasses. And God in bodily form, Jesus, this Christophany, God in bodily form walks through holding a flaming torch and a smoking pot, carcasses, carcasses, and and God walks through the middle. Do y'all see, did you see it? Okay, you didn't. Um, let, me, let me try again. So there's, there's like carcasses over here on this side. And there's carcasses over here on this side. And Jesus, the bodily form of God, with torch and smoking pot, he walks right through the middle. You saw it, right? Some of you are starting to see it. Okay, let me, let me try one more time. All right, stay with me, okay? I'm, I think you're going to get it this time. There's carcasses over here on this side. And there's carcasses over here on this side. And right through the middle, Jesus walks. Do you see it now? Do you see that right here in Genesis 15, in a covenant made between Abram and God, that God did all the work, we have a picture of what is going to happen thousands of years later when Jesus hangs on the cross for our sins and gives his life so that we can have salvation. He does all the work, we get all the benefit. This is awesome. That in Genesis 15, we have a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. That Jesus walks through and says, I'm going to pay the price now, and I'll pay the price then. And I'll pay the price over and over and over once for all so that all sin might be wiped out. All we have to do is receive him. This picture here of this covenant between God and Abram is a picture that we can translate into our lives to know this, that Jesus is the promise. He is the promise. 
So what about land? I want salvation. So what about property? I want heaven. I want forgiveness. I want a savior. I need a savior. That's the picture that is being drawn here in Genesis 15. Jesus is the promise. And I'll say one more thing and we're done today. Jesus was the promise for Abraham. And friend, Jesus is the promise for you. I want you to know that in that moment where Abram was over there on the side, he was so clueless. He was in a trance. He wasn't thinking about anything. And yet in this moment, Jesus, God in bod form, Jesus walks through that, that mess. And he says, your people will inherit this land. 2,000 years later, Jesus walked through a bunch of mess, scourging, beating, mocking, crowd, carrying the cross. And he lays down, arms stretched, and three nails. He says, I'm making a promise to you. I'm giving my life so that you can know salvation. Jesus was the promise for Abraham, and he's the promise for you. Wow, man alive. That is good stuff, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. God, I thank you for the work that you do in our lives. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the beauty of your word and the power of your word. And God, I just pray that in these moments, God, that you would just continue to work in us. God, there are people that are here today that this was just a reminder. But there are people that are here today, God, that this was... This was the one thing that they were looking for. So God, I just pray that you will continue to work in our hearts, in our minds, even right now. God, have your way in our hearts. Let us be bold before you. As you continue to pray, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to to this message. Maybe you're here today because a friend invited you. Maybe you're here because this is just kind of your trend. It's Sunday, and so you're in church. Friend, I believe you're here because God wanted you to be here. And he very well may have wanted you to be here for these next few moments. Because you see, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then you're not experiencing that promise. You're missing out on it. And all it takes is for you to give your life to him. All it takes is for you to trust him. So if you've never done that, maybe today's the day. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, but you want to, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer of what it means to give your life to Christ. So if you've never done that, but you want to give your life to Jesus right now, right here, would you just, quietness of the moment, I'm not going to come to you, not going to embarrass you, would you just slip your hand up in the air? I want to have Jesus as my Savior, and I want to ask him right now. Anybody, this is your moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for knowing you. Thank you for being able to walk with you. Thank you, God, that it doesn't depend on us. But, God, that we can trust you no matter what. We know that you're working in our life. We know that you are doing things that we can't even see. 
So God, we just pray that you will continue to do that. God, let us recognize just how good you are to us and live our lives every day in response to your goodness and your grace. Father, we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand together and let's close our time together with this song. Let's sing together. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine He's been my fourth man in the fire time after time Born of His Spirit Washed in His I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord.